Welcome to Channel Journeys, the podcast for channel professionals that will enable and inspire you to create your best channel journey ever. Meet and learn from channel experts who share authentic stories of their channel victories, defeats, and lessons learned along the way. Here's your host, Rob Speed, a channel chief on a never-ending quest for channel knowledge and adventure. Hello, Channel Pros. Welcome back. Thanks for listening. Hey, we've had just amazing guests so far this year, and I have another great one for you today. In an earlier episode with Larry Walsh, Larry was talking about the critical importance of customer success. And he reminded us that the purpose of the channel isn't to drive revenue, it's to help drive customer success. And if you do that, the revenue will follow. Today's guest is focused on customer success and is measuring both partner and customer experience as key indicators of the ultimate goal of customer success. I am talking with Jeff McCullough. He is a channel veteran who actually started his career in the channel. He's been in the channel chief role at technology greats like HP and NetApp. And now Jeff is the global vice president of channel sales at Park Place Technologies, where he is busy building out their partner program. We dive into a really interesting topic here, so I think you're going to enjoy it. Are you ready to learn how to drive customer success? Let's go. Hey, Jeff, good afternoon. Welcome to Channel Journeys. How are you doing? I'm good. How are you doing, Rob? I am doing fantastic. Happy Friday. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Like all weeks, it's been a long week for you, too. So we've got a lot to chat about. We were talking about, I think customer experience and partner experience. Actually, you gave a presentation. When was that? Back at Channel Focus? Channel Focus, uh, yeah, November. In November, yeah, right. you gave that presentation. And it's a it's a topic that's top of mind for me and I'm probably for a lot of listeners too. It's And it's this whole concept of customer experience, partner experience, how do they intersect? How do we sure. measure them? How do we track mm-hmm. them? Why is it so important? A lot of different aspects to it that I want to dive into with you. Yep. Yeah, happy to. It's uh, it's certainly, you know, for companies uh, where I work at Park Place, customer experience is the name of the game. It, it's we're only as good as our customer experience because that effectively is, you know, the product. Ultimately, it's you know how do we respond and, and service customers. So customer experience is super important. And then for me, in my job and leading channel sales globally for for the company. Uh, you know, obviously I care about the partner experience and their desire to work with us and, and spend more of their cycles developing business with us. So, and the two of them come in together, really, you know, they kind of go hand in hand because a great customer experience actually impacts the partner experience. So it's, um, they're, they're definitely intertwined. Absolutely. Well, first, uh, before we dig into that, where are you hunkered down? Where's your bunker? <laughs> I am, well, I live outside of Chicago I've got a small place in uh, New Orleans, so we've been sheltering a little bit down here. Although it's not been <laughs> it's not been too uh, warm uh, this uh, winter, it's been rather cold down here as well. So, but yeah, I've uh, I, I'm normally in Chicago, it's where I live, and and have and have worked pretty much my entire career. And and obviously in my role, it's you know in a normal world, my, my I I go where the partners are. So O'Hare, I usually yeah. tell I usually tell people I, I work out of O'Hare. <laughs> we used to work out of the airports, that's for sure. So New Orleans, were you as hard hit as Texas? Did you get that big cold snap? We did. I got in the twenties for a day or so. So but not nearly as bad. We didn't have snow or ice or, or anything like that, like they had in Texas. So that's good. Yeah, that was yeah. really bad. We have a lot of 
colleagues living there and they really got hit hard. All right. So Park Place Technologies, I don't know how familiar folks are with Park Place. Tell us a little bit about about what you guys do. Yeah. So, you know, I like to say Park Place Technologies is maybe one of the fastest growing technology companies that you never heard of. You know, Park Place is a company focuses on data center services. The core business is maintenance and providing maintenance services uh, exclusively for the data center. So we just focus on the data center and predominantly on mid to large center, uh, large size enterprise customers, you know, providing maintenance services for their infrastructure across, you know, 20 different manufacturers in 160 plus countries around the globe. And our portfolio, you know, actually has expanded and grown to include things like discovery services, monitoring services, network analytics, and optimization services. It's just really this full suite of data center focused services that we offer offer customers. And, you know, we do, I came here, you know, been about a year now really to build out a, a much more structured and formal channel program. And, but even without a lot of channel infrastructure, we're, we do about 40% of our business through, through partners, a little more than 40% of our business through channel partners. And so we've got a good base of a channel business and we're really looking to grow and expand that. So as a services company, what does your partner ecosystem look like? Are these all services partners who deliver services for you? No, so we, we really have kind of three kind of core sets of, of partnerships, right? We have traditional resale partners that resell our services. They resell support contracts to customers or our software products to customers, and they sell that like they sell other products. And we work okay. really closely and collaboratively with those partners. We have a whole team of people that focuses on, you know, our largest partners from CDW, SHI, Technologent, you know, Sirius. You go down the list of, you know, a lot of the traditional VARs that are out and servicing the, the marketplace, obviously globally as well, Anadata and Computer Center, you know, international partners, WWT. So, I mean, we, we really target kind of the, you know, the who's who of, of, of VARs and, and have really expanded and grown. We saw really strong growth in 2020 in our VAR community, upwards of 40% growth in, in, the, that, in the VAR channel. And it really is a testament to the, the, both the necessity of, of the business that we deliver and the, the recognition by partners that there's, you know, there's options to be offered right, to customers. And we're really able to offer a really strong value proposition that is all about helping customers free up captive maintenance dollars and unlock those dollars to do other things. Right? So we... How do you resell services? I'm not that familiar with it. Are, is like a reseller, are they putting that services on their paper? Mm-hmm. And then you have a statement of work directly with the end customer? Correct. Correct. Yeah. So, you know, we sell, they, they resell the contract, pass through the terms to the customer, our statement of work is with uh, is effectively with the customer. We deliver an SLA level, you know, based on what the customer's budget and or requirements are, and we we execute we execute the contract directly with the customer, but you know the transactions facilitated by the partners. Interesting. Good. Yeah, yeah. Just I like many SaaS companies would do software as a service, kind of the same same concept. Absolutely, and you know, and we just actually entered into our first distribution agreement with Arrow for our SaaS products for Intuity. Oh. And uh, what we call Parkview Network Analytics. So, you know, we're expanding and growing our portfolio and how we go to market and, you know, working with Arrow in this case as, you know, our first software distribution partner in North America is to, to, to really, you know, accelerate that, right? To, to push into this space of, you know, network analytics, which is, you know, become a, a bigger part of our business and certainly has uh, emerged as a, as a critical 
requirement in the wake of you know news around hacking and such. Customers are really looking for options in the marketplace, and we're, we happen to see a really strong growth there. So yeah, so excited about the Arrow partnership. And again, that's really catering to those traditional partners. We also do a lot of work with uh, global service providers mm-hmm. or global system integrators. Yeah. DXC, Wipro, NTT, you know, the, the who's who of, of those, those folks that, you know, work with us on their customers and integrating our services into solutions that they, you know, that they go and sell. Interesting. So you would go, Jeff, would you go in and deliver alongside with those partners? Yep. Yeah. And again, we're okay. typically focusing on the the maintenance part of it, right? So they might outfit a solution that whether it lands in their data center, customer data center, we'll write a support contract for that environment, which would include certainly, you could include a whole myriad of things from support services, right? Taking the first call, helping triage, op- you know, the problem could be monitoring services where we're doing all of that electronically. So we're monitoring the infrastructure, any kind of uh, alerts, actions come, we we respond and, and just go deal with it. And then all the way down to dispatching people with parts, you know, to the data center to go fix something and keep it up and running. So we work with those, the GSI partners to, de, to deliver deliver services on their behalf in their, in their customers and the solutions that they're selling. Okay. Interesting. Well, let's dive into customer experience first. Yeah. Is this an initiative that's really started since you joined Park Place or was this already up and running when you came in? No, it's, I would say this is part of the core business, right? This is, this is, if you will, the built into the value proposition of the company, which is, you know, delivering great customer experience. And so, you know, we do in the presentation I, I delivered, I talk a lot about the the process that we go through to gather customer experience, right? That closed loop feedback that we create that takes input from customers, you know, really close to the service delivery. So we try to, within, you know, hours of a ticket getting closed, we we send out our surveys and, and try to go through that process of gathering customer feedback. All of that data gets coalesced into a weekly report that gets reviewed item by item by our executive team, gets actions, you know, where we see gaps or issues, they get, you know, somebody is attached to that to go run it down, understand it. If there's process improvements that need to be made, we go build that back into the business. So it's, you know, it's really, it's really part of the, how the business functions because it is, it's a customer business. It's a hundred percent lives or dies by a customer is either happy or not happy, you know, and customers vote with their dollars, right? So the good news is at least for us, we've, you know, we, we do a great job. We use that customer experience to ensure we continue to do a good job and we see that because our retention rate on customers is really high. And so, you know, not just renewing a contract, but actually adding more assets to that contract, right? Putting mm-hmm. more of their infrastructure under contract with us. And so that, you know, tells us that, you know, we're doing a good job. You know, we execute in a high level on our SLAs, right? So, so our, our SLA execution is, you know, sits in the 96, 97% through the pandemic, it's actually, you know, skewed even closer, you know, to the 98, 99% range. And our customer feedback actually through the pandemic has been exceptional. It's almost close to 100 across the board over the past, uh, you know, past eight months. A score, clo- a score close to 100? Yeah, from a customer feedback perspective, right. Yeah. So, you know, and part of that is maybe reduced expectations like, you know, okay, are you gonna be able to get me a party? Are you gonna be able to get, you know, this or that there? But, you know, we put a lot of effort into how we were going to cover 
and deliver critical services through the pandemic and ensuring that we had the people and the processes in place that we could go we could go deliver and so we're able to really i think delight customers even through really really tough you know global times yeah uh but again it's you know if we can't deliver at a high level it 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 puts you into you know it can put you into a spiral because Mm-hmm. All of a sudden, customer sack goes down, and then you know you start to try to do things that may not be the right right decisions. And so, at the end of the day, we think you know keeping customer satisfaction, focus on keeping it high, <laughs> execute really at a high level, and keep a tight control over your you know your your closed loop feedback process to ensure you're understanding what's going on and, and addressing challenges quickly. Yeah. So let's let's dive into that a little bit. The customer satisfaction survey. You said that goes out every time after every. Yeah. Service support yeah. call. Correct. Yes. After every every customer event, when we're dispatching somebody, or whether because a lot a lot of times we, especially with our monitoring platform, we may not need to dispatch a person, right? Mm-hmm. And you know, so we do a lot of remediation, you know, virtually with customers as well. So when we dispatch a person, when we have a remediation event virtually, we're sending out customer feedback, right? And they're, mm-hmm. you know, they're meant to be short. If you send a 20-question survey, your attach rate's going to be really low. You're not going to get a lot of response, <laughs> right? And, you know, and I think we all get those those surveys, right, to, you know, answer a few questions. Yes. And, you know, when I, and <laughs> if it's going to take you me- You answer t- 10 questions that- <laughs> Yeah. No, that's it. You answer- Yeah, you answer 10 questions that says, oh, you're, you're 5% finished now. Right, right. Yeah. <laughs> and you, you bail on those. Yeah. You know, so we just, we try to yeah. get real quickly to the the heart of it in terms of our delivery experience and, you know, and certainly we have, you know, ask customer to rate it and then ask for feedback, written feedback. Obviously the written feedback is the valuable stuff, right? Because mm-hmm. somebody cares enough to write it means it's meaningful. We should take a really close look at it. And so, but again, all of that data gets funneled into that weekly report. I think it's Thursdays, the team goes through it, uh, our operations team line by line, right? Everything that gets added from a customer feedback perspective gets an owner and, and is expected to be reviewed and addressed. Do you have different surveys depending on the type of support or service that, that they needed? Or is it all the same survey? It's generally the same same survey. It's actually a good question. I, I haven't seen, I haven't gone in to look at uh, when we you know support for you know, a product like Intuity, our network analytics platform versus support for a maintenance event. But I think they largely, you know, skew the same way in terms of getting customer feedback on, you know, the the, the experience, the quality, the timeliness, you know, the the overall uh, satisfaction that the customer has with, yeah. with working with us. And then what's the closed loop that you talked about? What does that really mean? Well, that, that means as a customer submits feedback, as I mentioned, we, you know, we loop up, we put all that into a weekly report that identifies, you, you know, the feedback. And again, especially the written feedback. So any, any feedback that is, you know, is negative, right, on the low end of the scale in terms of a numerical score or and obviously any written feedback that's negative gets, gets added to that report. It gets reviewed by the executive team. And then there's an owner that's identified to say, okay, you, you go figure that, go figure out what happened here, understand, mm-hmm. go call the customer, right? right? Get the customer's perspective. And I think that's, you know, that's really impactful, especially when you, uh, you provide feedback and then to get somebody to call you and say, hey, we saw you had this feedback, tell me more about it, or let's, I'd like to understand a little bit better what, you know, what happened. Right. 
because that, I mean, it absolutely demonstrates you. you're listening and you're paying attention to it, you know, and I've, I'm sure everybody has had that same experience where you submit feedback and, you know, you never hear anything and you just assume it, you know, goes into a, goes into the bit bucket somewhere. Uh, and so, you know, yeah, we, exactly. we, we respond to all of it. Again, it's a critical part of it's part of the DNA of the business. So that's how that closed loop works. Interesting. How are you automating this? Did you have to get some third-party tools to really, you know, streamline this and be able to use it at scale? So yeah, we do have a platform that that does it. I'm not the uh, expert on on what we what we do, but we we do have a a platform that does the surveys, collects all of the the data together and and produces it, you know, in, into that report report framework. Mm-hmm. Okay. Is there any element of when you're doing these surveys, it sounds like all the services being delivered by you guys, is there any element of measuring the partner involvement in any way in, in that service? Well, and so, you know, in some, in some of our business, we do have, you know, where we, we might enlist another provider to work with us, especially in, you know, we get in some remote locations where we may not have somebody. So we might look for a, a best-in-class provider in a certain market to work with us mm-hmm. to satisfy a, a service level of agreement, right? And we go into that very upfront with our customers, right? We don't, you, you know, that our, all our customers understand that the nature of our engagement model and, you know, and, and our pricing and how we actually, when we write, we don't write contracts we can't deliver, basically mm-hmm. is the way I'd put it. So right. when we write a contract, you know, the customer has a requirement for, you know, four hour response in a, you know, an island off, off, you know, South America, like we're not going to write that and then hope, and then we'll go figure it out later. Right. Yeah. We're going to go figure out how we're going to, you know, write that contract or how we're going to go deliver on that contract. And then we bring that into, you know, our proposal back to the customer. So it's really above board or, you know, it's clear, clarity around it. Yeah. So yeah, for sure. When we, when we have third parties involved, we absolutely, you know, include that feedback with, with our delivery partners that we, that we engage with. Mm -hmm. Yeah. In our, in our model, we are, you know, we're selling a, basically a platform, a technology, and then we need partners to go in and help not necessarily implement the platform, but really start developing applications on the platform. That's the, yeah. the use case for what we offer. So when we're measuring customer satisfaction, we're in a way measuring their satisfaction with that partner. Right. Not just with our technology, but yeah. how well did that partner deliver? Yeah. Yeah. And in our business, certainly like with our resale partners and global system integrator partners, we're you know, the customer satisfaction is part of, is I, you know, I think of as part of our channel value proposition, right? That when they sell our products, they know we're not going to blow up their customer, right? That the customer is going to come back, right. is going to be happy and in fact, feel like, you know, you recommended some, you know, a great solution. And, you know, and for a lot of our partners, you know, we're a choice point to, from a recommendation standpoint. And if a customer comes up to their fourth year of support, or fourth year of you know some infrastructure, it's usually it's should I renew with uh you know with the manufacturer or should I get support from somebody like Park Place? And if we can do that support, deliver it you know at the same or better level in terms of quality, and I could do it for thirty percent again, freeing up dollars to do something else, that could be a really great outcome for the customer. And so it's all for up me. It's all about creating choice and making sure that. When a partner does recommend us, they know that the quality is going to be great. The experience is going to be great. And if they can help the customer rethink their strategy around IT dollars, um, that just puts them in a better position to be consultative. 
Okay. So it sounds like for you, when you're going out and looking for signing up a new partner, this is part of your mm -hmm. value proposition. Absolutely. It's, it's probably a big part of your story. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, you know, obviously partners have choices and partners, the, you know, partner choices, the value that, you know, they bring to customers, right? They, you know, customers go to partners because they do have choice. They can offer different options. They can offer that consultative discussion around what are the customer's pain points? What are the five different solutions that might be in the market that you, they, you know, that the customer should consider? Yeah. That's, you know, absolutely. That's what the channel is phenomenal at. And so, you know, for me, I want to be one of those choice points, right? I want to make sure that they understand it, especially in, you know, in, in a world where they, they, you know, they work a lot with manufacturers, all the different vendors that we support. And, you know, our claims are always really straightforward. It's like, you know, this is how we deliver. This is what our product is. This is the experience that we can offer. Here's how we monitor. Here's our mobile platform to help you understand what's going on. This is all the things that we bring to the table. You know, you can compare that. Uh, and I can do that across a dozen manufacturers in 160 countries. So if you'd like to consolidate your support, maintenance support onto one contract, uh, or I can manage that for you globally. And if that's a value to you, then there's, you know, probably should have a good discussion about it. because. And if I can do all of that and, again, save you some money and reduce your costs that helps you do other projects, then there's a phenomenal win opportunity there. Yeah. Right? So. so now you're measuring customer success, using that to sign on new partners, and now you also want to measure partner success. Right. And the partner experience. Right, right. So t tell us about that. That was part of your presentation as well. Yeah. So I, and, and this is the part that we're building out. You know, as I mentioned, Park Place, you know, has grown their channel business, you know, largely because customers asked to purchase from partners, right? And so Park Place would, you know, would accommodate customers' requirements in, in working with channel partners. And it's gone from that, you know, fulfillment sort of request to now really it's a strategic part of our business because we have partners actually lining up Park Place to be part of the solution offering, right? That it's in fact part of how they recommend when they work with customers, ways to help customers, you know, solve their requirements, right? Whether it's simplification of their maintenance contracts, whether it's reducing some of their costs and freeing up dollars, whether it's improving their responsiveness or uh, monitoring capabilities, which in turn would free up staff to do other things. Like customers are going to have a whole variety of pain points and, and our partners are seeing us become a more strategic part of how they go solve those those challenges. And I think that's the that's the you know the value that that our channel is starting to see in terms of proactively introducing Park Place into the business and what I'm focused on, because that to me is really the big value proposition of our business is we offer end-to-end life cycle management in the data center uh, and help a customer really from the time they acquire an asset all the way through the time they decide to dispose of that asset, making that experience great and helping them maximize their ROI, right? The investment they made in that, that infrastructure. You know, so for partners, it's, we see a really strong value, you know, channel value proposition, I think is really strong. Our profitability certainly is, uh, is really good as well, which is, is always helpful. But at the end of the day, the more we can become a strategic solution to our partners, the more, you know, more attractive we are as a vendor. And so coalescing all of this into a partner program and, and, and a partner engagement model that will help our partners recommend Park Place and, and solve tough problems. What I like to say is, you know, 
we want to you know help our our partners be customer heroes right because they can free up dollars because they can unlock people and resources trapped in monitoring their data center and free them up to do other things because we can just we can do that you know more cost effectively and 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 better and so that's when you, the opportunity you know for for us and in, in, in our program Jeff when you embarked to to measure partner satisfaction was there a certain aspect of it cuz you know it could be hey my satisfaction with how easy you are to do business with or my satisfaction with your services or my satisfaction with um, my financial relationship and how, how you helped me build a really profitable business? Or was it kind of all of the above? It's kind of all of the above. I, I think about it is there's, there's really three aspects of, you know, of the, the, the partner experience. There's the sales component, right? And which is things like profitability, right? Mm -hmm. Are we profitable to sell? Well, you know, for calories burned, if you will, if I'm a partner rep, right. uh, what's my best return on, on effort? You know, which and then it's also inclusive of just your time, right? What's your cycle time, your opportunity times from opportunity identification mm -hmm. to, to close rate? What's the registration process? How easy is it going to be to identify a deal and then work that deal forward with you as, you know, going uh, going through that process? So those are things like reps, you know, the things that a sales rep, sales management, the lead, you know, sales leadership team would care about. Then there's the the, the business side, which is you know, is also profitability, right? Because the business participates in that profitability view as well. Pipeline development, how much are we going to help them build and develop pipeline? Are we going to invest, you know, money into MDF or ways to help them accelerate and grow pipeline faster? Are we going to help them train their people? Are we going to make their people better? Do we provide that training for free? Do we make it available online and make it accessible to their team? You know, what's our win rate? Like what's, you know, what's our pipeline conversion look like? And so as we build pipeline, what should we expect in terms of conversion on your pipeline relative to other things that we do? And so that's kind of the, those are things like the business cares about, right? The business, you know, ownership. And then there's the kind of just the broad financial and, you know, which could be things like, you know, are you going to, you're going to offer me credit terms, right? And they can be able to, or offer extended terms to my customers. Am I going to be able to attach more you know, more of your products into my, into my portfolio. So what's your attach rate look like? What will you invest in terms of MDF into the business? You know, what's my access to your leadership team to, you know, to discuss the dollars, the financial plan, et cetera, that you're going to be providing. So, I mean, I think there's those three areas, right? Sales, business, financial, that you really have to be thinking about in terms of your partner experience. And, and as you align your program, how do each of those communities uh, or groups their outlook and they're not all going to be aligned, right? Reps just want great front end margin. Ownership might want more rebate dollars, right? Or more MDF or want a better feel for your pipeline development investment strategy or marketing air cover. And so, you know, everybody's kind of got a different sort of North Star that they're looking at. Yeah. It's just the way that is, right? And so you've got to, you've got to figure out, you know, how your program aligns. And I did talk about that in my presentation about, you know, figuring out the the difference between you know kind of the friction versus profitability as i call that right you know what's the friction that you you have in your program how easy is it to get a deal how is it good to get a quote how easy is it to get a registration right how long does it take me to get the deal done what are the resources available like you know all that stuff versus you know how much money do i make and as you know and and the tolerance for friction you know kind of it will the tolerance will will go up if your profitability goes up, right? Right. But if right. You got low profitability and it's a ton of work. Well, you're probably <laughs> going to have a hard time 
moving the needle, right? So it's finding that balance. And I don't think there's a perfect answer to it, but it is, you know, for every for every channel program, I think it's finding that balance between, you know, what you can do in terms of investment to make the business frictionless or reduce the friction. There's no zero friction, but make it, you know, easier for partners to work with you at the same yeah. time, provide a level of profitability that's going to be competitive and worth their time to, to engage with you. Yeah, makes sense. So how do you go about measuring that partner satisfaction? Are you using surveys like you're doing for customer satisfaction? Well, that so that so that we're in the unique position right now where we're we're actually we're we're building all that that out right and so okay. you know from my perspective and I talked about that in the you know in the presentation what we're you know what we're building out first is building out our our global program launching you know getting a portal in place which everybody does and then in there we'll pay, put in place the feedback mechanisms on the business today it's it's all personal feedback right and you know that's me sitting down with our partners. And getting feedback on how are we doing, right? You know, and I'll, you know, and you ask all the, the right things, right? How are we doing on profitability? Where do we rank in terms of your in the services vendors that you work with? Where do we rank in terms of profitability to them? Which most partners will tell you, you're, you know, you're number three or number two or number one. You know, where do we rank in overall profitability? What's our percent profitability to your overall, you know, bookings? You know, where do we rank in terms of that? Right. And so it's understanding the profitability story. You know, how's the pipeline looking? You know, what are the deals, you know, makeup look like, et cetera. Today, it's it's all of it's just that personal engagement. We do it through QBRs. We do it through, you know, one on ones across my team and in working with our partners. But as we launch our, you know, our program and our portal platform, we'll have loopback, you know, feedback mechanisms there where we'll be able to gather feedback from, you know, from partners. A lot of it, though, again, you know, you can get a partner to tell you how happy or unhappy they are. But I think a lot of it shows up in your stats, right? Like, you know, deal registration came in, you know, what was our turnaround time to get a response back? You know, if it's 48 hours, I can tell you, you're, you're probably not going to be, <laughs> you're not going to have a low <laughs> stat rate right around your deal reg. Yes. You know, so I think a lot of this stuff is pretty obvious and you can get out of your own systems in terms of, your velocity in the business, how quickly can you get things done for your partners? And, you know, and we like to get some feel for where our partners end up selling at, but, you know, because we don't own our partner's pricing, right? And so, you know, we provide, you know, we provide a framework for partners to go out and sell into the marketplace. And, and that's where we do need to look at, you know, getting kind of verbal feedback on our margin effectiveness. But I think you can get a lot of data from, you know, just your systems alone can tell you, how you're doing and executing against your, you know, against your channel. And, you know, and in previous roles I've been in, we've actually used third parties to do in-depth surveys of partners, especially in the area of profitability, really trying to get a profitability story. Cause I, I'm a big believer in, in the value of attach in, in the channel business. Cause, you know, very few products I think that you sell in the channel stand alone and don't participate and or somehow impacted by something else. Right. You know, and so so this concept of attach, I think, is really important in terms of, you know, how much of your, you know, business, how much of the business do you do drags other things, consulting, other products, you know, delivery, right? Those are all attach items. So how much of your, if you sell a dollar of my product, how many dollars of other things do you sell? 
right? Understanding that. And so, you know, I've, we've used, or I've used third party companies in the past to go out and do those and they're expensive and they're difficult, right? They take time. You go out and survey your partners and you're asking them to invest a lot of time and energy into doing it. But the data you get back from there is really illuminating and it tells a great story because uh, presumably it would tell a great story that you can say, you know, to your partners, hey, if you're a, you know, if you're a mid, a mid program partner with us, you, you know, you're on average, Partners like you are, you know, for every dollar of my, of my product you're selling, you're actually selling $5 of other things. That's how I impact your business, right? Because I drive a strong attach rate. And so I think getting an ar good arm arms around your attach capability with your, your portfolio is really, is, you know, is really important. You know, in, in our business, we get attached to things that they sell, but we're also, as we move more of our portfolio into things like SaaS, on-premises software products, you know, we're going to, we drive attach around delivery services, consulting services, you know, implementation services for, for customers, because ultimately, you know, I don't want my, my business to just be my one product. It's my product plus all the things that a partner can wrap around it to help them accelerate and grow. Discovery is a great example, right? Our discovery platform, which actually came from our customer feedback process where they would say, we really wish you could tell us what we got in our data centers. You, you show up here, you know about them. I would, I would really love for you to tell me everything I have. And so we built a discovery service and we offer it as a SaaS product. And that discovery service, we, you know, when, when partners run discovery or sell discovery services, it delivers a certain core dollar value back to the partner, but then there's accelerated dollars that come with it, right? That discovery identifies a whole set of maintenance opportunities, mm -hmm. products that are sitting there without support, products that are in enterprise or critical functions that, you know, if they were to fail, there's no support mechanism in place. And so yeah. now you have a great support opportunity or products that are, you know, way beyond their life cycle that, you know, potentially the customer should consider refreshing. And so now you got this refresh. So, you know, for every dollar of, of discovery that our partners sell, there's actually $12 of follow-on opportunities behind it, right? That's a great example of an attached yeah. opportunity where, and, and, you know, we have that data through, through the analysis we've done and looking at that business where we can say, it's not about selling $100 of discovery. It's about the $1,200 you're going to sell yeah. after that. You know, that's, that's really important. And then obviously times, you know, the customer infrastructure. And so that becomes big. Right. Comes it does quickly. Interesting. And what about other tools like advisory boards? Are you using like customer or partner advisory boards yet? Yeah. So yeah. So we have a we have a very structured quarterly uh, customer advisory board. That's a critical part of the customer feedback process for sure. And then our partner advisory board will be something we'll be starting out later this year. And I, you know, and I'm a big believer again, through my career, I've leveraged lots of partner advisory boards in my different roles. Um, and you know, that, that engagement with partner, especially with partner or, you know, with partner leadership, right. With the owners and leaders of your partners to really get their feedback, not only on your business, but on the end, you know, where they see things going, what they're seeing working, what's best practices, what do they love that other vendors are doing? You know, I think we all are, uh, open to, uh, borrowing great best practices, right? And you can get a great deal of best practices from your partners. And those advisory boards are, are, are key vehicles to it. So I'm a big proponent in it. We'll be, as I said, we'll be launching partner advisory process this year as we expand and, and build out our, you know, our first really channel program, because that's what it is. It's really Parkplace's first formal structured 
partner program, which is actually going to be the culmination of Park Place plus Curvature, which we acquired in November. A company about equal size to Park Place, a little smaller from a channel perspective, but still has you know important channel business. We're going to be bringing both together under uh, you know a new unified channel program that will launch a little bit later on here in the uh, towards the end of the winter spring timeframe. You must really have your hands full. It's busy, yeah. It's busy. It's a busy time, but <laughs> but it's an exciting time, and and you know, coming off a, I think a really good year of growth from a channel perspective. You know, the year ahead, we've got some pretty tough tough goals we've laid out. But like I said, you know, we're seeing really strong acceptance from you know the channel community, both from you know our VAR partners, our system integrator partners, and you know, I think it it goes a long way to just talk to the the impact of our business, what we're doing, and 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 certainly. You know, it all starts with a great customer experience. So, you know, coming back to the topic at hand, right? Measuring customer experience, making sure you understand that, you know, great customer experience is going to feed your partner experience because, you know, happy customers make happy partners and happy partners are repeat sellers. Right? Yeah, and that's, that's, that's right. what we want. Excellent. That's fantastic. You know, I, I think this is such an important topic. I came into a company that was 100% customer focused. That's our North Star, customer success. But more, but more and more, we see partners as our path to success. And so partner success for us is in, becoming increasingly important. And these things that you're talking about, we're, we're also embarking on a, on a partner advisory board or advisory council this year. Um, we haven't started doing partner surveys, but I think as we look at how we execute on our PRM, that could be a, a part of that too, maybe periodic, not just that big annual survey, but you know, more frequent, smaller surveys. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I, you know, I kind of like a feedback tone, right? Using a dial tone analogy versus, yes. you know, once a year, right? And, and you know, because once a year, it starts to become just a, an exercise, an exercise you do to get it done. And then yes. <laughs> go back to doing your day job, right? And, and, and it I might think, be too late uh, by then. Yeah. And that's why, and I mean, you know, that back to, you know, anybody out there trying to, you know, justify the value of their channel your channel team to your business, it's, you know, that, I think that feedback tone comes from your, you know, your people and your daily interaction. Yeah. It, it, it's, you know, at the end of the day, I think part, you know, channel sales is a people job. It's a, mm -hmm. it's a, it's a, it's a people it career rather. Right. It's, I think channel is a career job. And I think uh, being great at that career means you're good at interacting and engaging with people and, and spending time, investing time with your, you know, partners and, and and so if you're if you're doing a if you think you're doing a great job, then you should that should resonate in your in your partner feedback, which you just are going to be getting all the time every day. And, you know, I, like I said, there's no program. Nobody should ever expect zero friction. I'd say if you have zero friction, you're probably missing opportunities. So you want to have a little bit of friction in your world. But, you know, I think the the feedback mechanism, good or bad, should be something that you've just built into your team and and is part of the job, right? They're providing, yeah. you know, partners provide feedback and, and you're taking it and, and executing uh, executing against it. Yeah, absolutely. Well, speaking of jobs, you've been in uh, channel leadership roles with some really great companies, uh, NetApp, Quest, HP. Mm -hmm. How did you get into the channel in the first place? How did you end up in the channel role? I tell the story of my first job out of college and I, you know, just kind of been a, a in you know technology fan for a long time and mm -hmm. working with computers you know through high school and and you know working at a small computer store in outside of Chicago and my first job out of college was actually working for dating myself here a little bit but Computerland and uh, 
you know, I worked, I started working at a partner and, you know, did some work in sales. I did some work in, in education. I actually taught classes and uh, hmm. I did a variety of things there. And, and so I, you know, my first job was in the channel, right? Working for a partner and, you know, I would show up on paradigm on Saturdays to do inventory and, you know, it's just, I, I get it. I get what partners go through. And obviously the business has, you know, evolved dramatically from, from the old uh, computer land van star days. But, uh, but by and large, it's where I started and, you know, and then, you know, got a job working at Compaq and which was very much a channel centric company. Yep. And, and so, you know, channels just kind of been in my, my day to day. Yeah. You know, Compaq through HP went over to Dell software, which became Quest software to build out a channel program for for that business and then to NetApp to lead the channel sales for North America. So it's kind of just been in my, it's just always been there, right? It's always been a, a, a part of how I've gone to market and engaged uh, uh, in all my roles. So um, yeah. yeah, so I guess you say I just... Uh, that's that's actually pretty rare, Jeff, you know, finding someone who that was their first job in the yeah. channel. You know, <laughs> most, of us, most of us started in something totally... Totally different. Yeah. I didn't even know what the channel was, and then kind of fell into it somehow. Yeah, no, I yeah, right on Wacker Drive in uh, Chicago, um, and uh, <laughs> you know, and then uh, you demonstrate to demonstrate something, you would you know load up Flight Simulator and show you know so how fast Flight Simulator Simulator ran on a three eighty six desktop. <laughs> it was exciting times back then. Yeah, I'm sure it'd run faster on our phone today. Yes, definitely. <laughs> All right, cool. Jeff, thanks so much. That was a, a fun conversation, yeah, really interesting thanks, topic. Wish you all the best there with your program rollout and everything thanks. else that you're doing. Yeah, same to you. All right. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks. All right, guys. Some great ideas there from Jeff on how to frequently and even automatically measure customer and partner experience. We didn't get into it today, but there is a difference between customer experience and customer success, but that will have to be a topic for another episode. You can find all the show notes from today's episode at www.channeljourneys.com backslash CJ68. And be sure to subscribe while you're there. And I'd love to reach more people with this podcast. And you can help me out here. If you're enjoying the Channel Journeys podcast, please leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you are listening. That would be fantastic. Next episode, I have a return guest, another channel legend, and we're going to be talking about how to meet the needs of both your direct sellers and your channel partners, more of that, that hybrid channel model. Don't miss it. Until then, have an awesome channel journey. Thanks for listening to Channel Journeys. For show notes and other Channel Journey podcasts, visit channeljourneys.com. If you liked today's show, please forward it to your channel friends and be sure to tune in for Rob's next channel adventure.